RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. Shortly, we'll be joined by Greg Hopkins, and uh, we are going to recap and get reactions from Valor 63. It went down this past Friday night, the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. You can catch the replay on Flow Combat. We're going to go through the card here a little bit later, uh, as well as a review of the UFC 242 card. We're going to touch briefly on that, and then we're going to give a brief uh, preview of this weekend's UFC Fight Night Vancouver with a real good main event, Donald uh, Cerrone and Justin Gaethje. Justin, my man, we are off of another fight weekend. Got about a three-week break, two and a half at this point, before we hit Saudi Daisy. How's it going? Uh, not too bad, man. Had a good good weekend of fights. Definitely uh, <clears throat> some surprising outcomes Friday night. Yeah, you know, it was one of those cards that was just really good. It was like every, all like mo- most all the fights were very close, you know, just like really close fights and uh, a lot of upsets. We'll get into that here a little bit uh, later when we bring Greg in. But first up, we owe some interviews. Of course, uh, the picks panel uh, will go over their results here a little bit later. But there were two fighters that were unanimously picked against, both from the No Mercy MMA goon squad out of Union, South Carolina. That's Brian Stonehands Jackson and Bradley Brakefield. So we're going to get them on the line first, starting with Stonehands himself, Brian Jackson. All right, joining us first on the line this evening, we've got Brian Stonehands Jackson, fresh off a big win at Valor 63. It all went down this past weekend at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe Brian making his professional MMA debut after coming from the boxing world, as we've been talking about over the coming weeks, and knocks off uh, the hometown favorite, Caleb Miller. And as we always do when we do our picks panels and we get a unanimous pick against someone and then that pick ends up, uh, you know, proving the prognosticators wrong, we owe him an interview. So uh, not, but regardless if we owed him an interview or not, Brian is worthy of this interview because he had a great performance this past weekend. Brian, congratulations, my man. How's it been going <laughs> over the past few days since last we uh, we saw each other? Well, it's been going pretty good, actually. I mean, my head's been in the clouds, and like I posted on my Facebook page, this is a more euphoric feeling than anything, anything in life besides my kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh-huh, yeah, it's like, hard to it, match, it, you say. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's 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 a lovely feeling to upset people. Absolutely. And, it's, you know, you, you've been in the game, uh, in the boxing game, uh, even though you didn't have a whole wealth of MMA experience coming into this. And, you know, when you're coming from out of town, you're, you're coming into the, the hometown guy's uh, backyard. You know, you know that you are uh, you're the underdog coming in, uh, at least in, in on paper, if you will, in, to a lot of people's eyes. So it's not something that, that you guys are uh, are certainly blind to. And you guys came in and showed out. Right. You know, you guys came in and, and put on a show and you won three out of four of your fights and really just uh, made a statement, you know, here in East Tennessee that, that you guys are here to, to, to make an impact. Yes, sir. We came in there. We bought, we are about no games. Like we said, like our shirts say, like our team name says, no mercy MMA out here. 
So, of course, uh, you know, your teammates, Paul Teague, and uh, we're going to talk to Bradley Brakefield here after we talk to you, actually, because we go him and interview, too. Both you guys had uh, real good or all three of you guys had real good showings. And and your youngster, uh, Evan Ledford, had a a good showing as well. It's really good to see the the young kids get out there and get the experience right now, because ultimately nobody's going to remember who won or lost a 15 year old's pancreation match. But the experience he'll take with him as he gets older and, and ready to turn into straight on MMA, that's worth a lot. Yeah, it is. That's definitely worth a whole lot. And give big shots out to everybody, especially Evan, because not a lot of 15-year-olds have heart to go out there and do what Evan did. Oh, not a lot of adults do. Right. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> so, man, let's talk about the fight some. Of course, Caleb was an undefeated guy coming into this, not only uh, 1-0 in pro MMA, but he was like 5-0, I want to say, in amateur MMA. Yeah, so he never lost. Yeah, 5 amateur. Yeah, so you know he he had a uh, you know he was a prospect, if you will, coming into this thing. Uh, you were the more the more experienced uh, fighter when it comes to just like pro experience and just kind of being out there and being on the road and doing that kind of thing. So you know you came in there with some swagger. You you, you at no point were you uh, you know playing the role you know uh, accepting the role of the underdog fighter. You know you were there to win and you made it uh, apparent that you were there to win. Let's relive the fight some. You know I think everybody just kind of uh, coming into this assumed that you were going to be a, a, a solid striker with good hands. And, uh, you know, you, you were able to show some good takedown defense. Uh, Caleb was not able to just get the fight to the ground when he wanted. He really had to work for it. And you were making him pay on those entries to where he started becoming more tentative and, and more, um, I guess, hesitant, if you will, uh, to let his hands go. And that allowed you to start teeing off and get in uh, going on the offense and uh, and racking up the rounds. Yes, sir. I'm so bad I missed that spinning elbow, though. I, I was counting on that one. <laughs> but, I mean, like I, told, like I told everybody in the original interview where they, where you guys first introduced me, Google me. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not coming to play. I'm not coming to nothing. Like, I have all respect for Caleb. I have nothing but respect for Caleb and the whole KMMA uh, family. But while those 15, well, what was it? 13 minutes, I apologize, because he said it was going to be a long 15 minutes. But while those 13 minutes we were in the cage, we were at war. And that's what I looked at it as. Now, you know, talk a little bit about the differences. Now, you know, this is being your first pro MMA fight. You've done some amateur MMA. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of pro boxing. You know, the, the MMA rounds are are five minutes in the pros. So that, I would assume, would be will have been the longest amount of time that you spent uh, in battle, uh, per round, uh, in your career, what, what did that feel like? If anything? I mean, that really, we did a lot of training towards to get me to be comfortable with doing five minute rounds. So, I mean, it was just like, honestly, another day of hard training. You and you guys ended up getting a good 13 minutes in out there and you were still going strong at the end. You didn't, you weren't showing, uh, signs of fatigue, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, or that motor, uh, starting to slow down. So it's like, you still, you had the full 15 minutes in you. Uh, so, uh, you know, what, what's next, man, what's, uh, you know, what's next on the agenda for, uh, stone hands? You know, I, I, I know you're a guy that likes to stay busy, likes to, uh, you know, stay, stay active and have, and have stuff booked. Are you looking to do a quick turnaround potentially, or, uh, you know, well, what, course, what, what you got in mind? Yeah, I am looking to do a quick turnaround. I mean, as soon as me and my coaches and my teammates, we go through um, different things, we're looking to get back in that cage as soon as possible. And I'm also looking to wear that white championship belt, too, by the way. Hey, I love it. I love it, man. Short-term goals <laughs> and long-term a- goals. I like it. we got to yes, have them, sir. man. It keeps us honest, for sure. Yes, well, sir. man, I want to let you have an opportunity here to uh, give some shout-outs where they're due, some love to uh, te- teammates, training partners, family, friends, uh, sponsors, all that good stuff. I'll let you have it. 
Okay. Well, first and foremost, I want to give a big thanks to God because without him, nothing else is possible. Secondly, I want to give a thanks to my family and friends and all of my fight team for Val uh, and Valor. Definitely. No Mercy MMA, Brad Breakfield, Paul Teague, Bradley Pruitt, my coach, Evan, everybody from No Mercy MMA. And I just want to let everybody know that Stonehands is coming for business. When Stonehands is in that cage, I'm a different player. I'm a different breed. Like I told you, I fight with pain in my heart. I don't fight with training. I fight with pain in my heart. And that's what differentiates me from every other fighter out there. Hey, man, I love it. It means you come to put on a show. And uh, and before I let you go, man, I want to let you uh, let people know where they can follow you on social media so we can uh, keep up with uh, what's coming up. Oh, yeah. You can follow me on uh, Facebook under Brian Stone, Hands Jackson, Instagram under Stone underscore Hands, and uh, what was it? It is Snapchat under Stone underscore Hands one. You heard it here, I guys. I Brian. Bet I shocked everybody with that uh, submission tape too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know that's you're right. You know that's one thing. Let's go. Let's circle back to that. You know, you finished this fight with a submission. I think that if you had asked a uh, hundred people to, to to judge how or to guess how that fight would have ended, it, 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 were you victorious, submission would have probably been very low on the totem pole of uh, mm -hmm. of techniques pick, man. Uh, so yeah, you definitely showed that you're a well-rounded fighter. You're not just a boxer in here doing MMA. Yes, sir. My coach was like, I would have expected me to hit the lottery before you hit that submission. Uh, thank you. <laughs> no doubt, man. Well, congratulations, man. We're excited to see uh, see you back in the Valor Cage soon. Enjoy that victory. Uh, and uh, I'll let you get back to uh, the re your recovery week here. Once again, uh, thanks so much for the time, Brian. Oh, yes. Thank you, guys. And you guys have a great day. Up next on the line, we've got Bradley Brakefield, victorious this past weekend. Uh, against uh, all the prognosticators' picks, he pulls the upset and uh, comes in and knocks off the sea goat, Anthony Cochran, with a decision win this past Friday at Valor 63 at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. Bradley, my man, how's it going? I'm doing all right, brother, man. Good, good. training already. I'm You're back, back to it. Yeah, I'm back. I started back up Monday, man. That's awesome. It's good to hear, bro. So, of course, uh, every time that uh, the, the, the picks panel gets a pick unanimously wrong, we bring in uh, the uh, the fighter that, that pulls off the uh, the upset, if you will. I'm not saying it was an upset necessarily, but to these guys, as far as on the picks panels go, it was an upset. Uh, and, of course, you came in and, and knocked off the hometown guy. I was just talking to your teammate, Brian Jackson. And, man, the No Mercy squad, they came into Knoxville and showed out. You know, it, it's no uh, – you know, you guys are, uh, are, are not uh, – blind to the fact that when you come in out of town and you're fighting the hometown guys, you know, you got uh, the, 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 the odds are, no, I'm saying the odds are stacked against you, but people are going to uh, yeah. assume that the hometown guy is, uh, is the favorite, but you guys proved, uh, proved, proved these guys wrong on a lot of these picks. And so props to you guys, you all came in and handled your business in the cage. Uh, you went the full three rounds uh, with a, a very tough Anthony Cochran showed off a lot of good ground skills and uh, you know, was able to get out of some, some bad spots. You guys had some really, fun transitions and if i'm not mistaken you guys uh did you guys get the fight of the night too yeah we got fight of the night uh I, he was i mean all hats off to him i mean i honestly i didn't know i thought it was closer than what the scorecards gave us but uh well well, I was going to say, what, what did you think about the open scoring aspect of things? Is that something that threw you off? Is it something that kind of gave you motivation? Uh, well, what was I mean, your take on it? It wasn't something I was using. Somehow, I mean, it, I mean, I couldn't breathe out my nose the whole 
like after that first round, my, my coming up there and the change of elevation and everything, like my sinuses was messed all over. I could so I couldn't breathe. I, I was telling my coach after the first round, I was like, man, I, I, what, what do I do? I can't, I can't breathe. I'm so uh, I, I was get, almost gassed, but I just couldn't breathe out my nose and I had my mouthpiece in it. It was, uh, I don't know. My coach, if it wasn't for him in my ear, though, all I kept on hearing, <laughs> hearing <laughs> his voice. If it wasn't for him, old dude had me in some, some tight spots. So the, the arm bar was real. I mean, I'm, I was shaking my head. But that's, <laughs> he, it, it was pretty deep, and then I went right into that triangle, and he had that even even deeper. I mean, honestly, he about had me out. Well, you know, that was uh, you, you showed a lot of I, I, I was sitting there watching the fight and I noted, you know, this guy shows a lot of uh, what's the word of uh, composure, I guess, is the best word. You know, he had, like you said, he had you in some really bad spots, but you never really freaked out. You kept your wits about you and you either fought your way out of it or you would sweep or you'd make it to the bell or you know, what, what have you. So that shows a lot um, of, uh, of a veteran savvy, honestly, for a guy that's only had one fight coming into this. And, you know, records are very deceiving, guys. Uh, you know, you're only 0-1 coming into this, but showed a lot more uh, composure. I'll say that word again, a lot more composure than most guys that with only one fight, uh, you know, and you're fighting a guy that had five fights already. And so he's kind of the same way, you know, he, he, he never really freaked out or panicked too. And we ended up getting a really good solid back and forth fight uh, that people would have probably mistaken for two guys that had a whole heck of a lot of experience. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, he had cardio. He was, he could go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, he's a bull. I, got, I don't know. Like he, he tried. I don't know how. I guess after my first fight, going through what I went through, that was more like a, a learning experience. My coach and I, I went in and pretty much, if you want to say, I did it my way. And my they no mercy. They rode rode behind me, even though I was hard headed. I mean, I trained, but I wasn't. I wasn't where I needed to be, and I'm still not where I need to be at. I watched that this fight, and I just. <laughs> A lot of that, I see a lot of flaws in my game. Honestly, I still got a lot of work to do. But it's, I didn't feel like experience him having that many fights. I didn't, I didn't think about none of that, like, really. I knew he was going to try to wrestle me, and that was my downfall in my first fight. I, I mean, I got took down. I had I wasn't used to being on my back. No submission game, but I was. my coach made sure I was ready for that. Well, you know, uh, one thing I, I'll say, though, uh, about this fight was, uh, you know, uh, Anthony's a, he's kind of a hard guy to, to get, like, ramped up, I would assume, to, like, try to kick his ass because he's so nice. You know, he's like <laughs> he's like one of the most friendly guys you're going to come across. He's got the whole pirate gimmick, you know, so it, it's, it's one of those things where I'd imagine it's, it's hard to get just like, ah, I'm going to kill this dude. Well, see, I'm, 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 composed. I'm, a, I'm an athlete. I got into sport because – I grew up playing football. So, I mean, I, I got in a lot of fights growing up, street fights and everything. And I didn't get, but I didn't get involved in the sport because I could fight. And then it was just a, it's a sport I can still do. At, I'm, I'm 28 years old. I just feel like if I, I can, I got enough in me to push. And I ain't trying to get rich and nothing like that. But I, who knows what, who knows what this might take me. But I know if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna put my all into it. I like to hear that, man. I like to hear that. And you mentioned you're 28 years old, not not saying you're old by any means, but, you know, it, yeah, it's good to hear that you've kind of got that uh, that urgency, if you will. You know, there isn't it. You don't have as much time as a guy that's 18, 19 years old to kind of take your time with it. You do need to kind of get out there and, and make a run. Yeah. And, uh, and my co but my coach also made me understand, too, though, that you want the experience. Yes. But you don't want to throw yourself in the best. But I took my first fight on 
you know, 11 days notice, something like that. Uh, uh, without my coach, even though I was, wasn't even training there. Like, I was so hard headed, but it was the best thing that could have happened. I, I ain't going to say the lost. I hate saying the best thing that could have happened, but it humbled me. Sure. Like, it really humbled me. And I, I didn't come out cocky or nothing. I might have seen like that because I talked, like, I was talking. That was just, I don't know, unless you've been in battle before, <laughs> I went to war. It, it's different. It's a, it's a totally different atmosphere than street fighting or anything else. But. Talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, the, you know, one thing I've got to say that that comes, obviously it's awesome to get the win. You always want to get the win, but you also got three full rounds of cage time out there. You know, that's got to go a long way moving forward. You know, you can go out there and you can go all the rounds if need be. Honestly, I, I honestly, I, I put on my gas out, but once I hit that second gear, right. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I feel like I can go five, five minute rounds, not nice, five, nice. five minutes, three, three, five minute rounds. I mean, that's, and that's what professionals do. But. Absolutely. Well, uh, man, we're, we're, I want to congratulate you. And, uh, you know, we're really excited to uh, to get you back in there as soon as you're ready to go. We'll love to have you back in the Valor cage. Hopefully you had a good experience out here fighting for Valor. And we'd, we'd love to have you back, man. Man, I loved it. I mean, the atmosphere was nice. I mean, I, I can't wait to get back in there. As soon as, as soon as my coach gives me the okay, because I don't go against him, I did it my way. I, I told him I'll do it his way from now on. It's been working a whole lot better. I mean, if you, he was well, in hopefully you can make night. it out to uh, Saudi here in September and watch your teammates go to battle and, and oh, enjoy oh, the I'm show coming. from uh, from the crowd or you know from a oh, from I'm a coming. spectator's view. Most definitely, I'm I'm coming with the team. I'll be there. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'll let you have a chance to get some shout outs where they're due. Any sponsors, family, friends, training partners, anybody that deserves some love, I'll let you have it. Uh, I want to uh, thank. My coach, all my training partners, Paul, Brian, congratulate them on their big wins. And uh, I want to thank everybody that's supporting me because right now, I mean, ain't much in amateur fighting, but I, I, I know I want to get somewhere. So everybody that's supporting me, I ain't got sponsors, but I, I'm hoping for it. I'm trying. Hey, you keep, uh, putting, on, you keep putting on the performances like that. You'll get some sponsors. I promise you. That's all you're going to get. I expect to see hands a lot more. I like using my hands a little bit more than what I was able to, but uh, and, and, I don't uh, quit. One more thing before I let you go. I want to let you uh, let the people know where they can follow you on social media so they can keep up with uh, what's going on with you. Um, well, all I, all I really got right now is I've got a Facebook. I really haven't made an athletic page because I don't, I don't really – I get on there, but I, I'm going to get my sister or something to do my Instagram. She can keep up with all that or something, but – I mean, you can check me out at Bradley Breakfield. I mean, on Facebook, that's it right now. All right. We'll check him out on Facebook, folks. Bradley Breakfield, up and coming uh, prospect at both Bantamweight and Featherweight. Looking forward to seeing yeah. uh, what you bring uh, to the table next time you're in the cage, my man. Congratulations once again, and thanks for the time. Thank you very much. Thank you to Valor for giving me this chance and my teammates this chance to fight for y'all and plan on putting some, uh, some more shows on here in the future. That does it for our interview segment for today's show. Thanks so much to our guests, Brian Stonehands Jackson and Bradley Brakefield. And congratulations to those guys uh, for pulling off a couple big upsets at Valor 63. Uh, they proved our picks panel wrong, and I'm really excited to see what comes next uh, for both of those gentlemen in the Valor cage. 
And with that, uh, it's time to do some housekeeping, guys. We've got to uh, do a little bit of recap action. We'll uh, pick up on what went down uh, this past weekend in the MMA world. Uh, we had a few a few things going down. Uh, first, briefly, uh, you, you know, uh, we had the Invicta. Uh, tournament, the Phoenix Rising uh, event that they had in Kansas City. Uh, Shanna Young went out there and competed in that. She picked up a win in her first round match um, against uh, a, a chick from I think it was from, she was from Finland. Uh, she got a, she got a win there, and then she went on and she lost in her semifinal bout to the eventual winner. Uh, uh, Miranda Maverick uh, ended up picking up the win uh, in the whole tournament. So uh, I guess in a way, Shannon goes one and one out there. But the, the, as we kind of mentioned, it's a it's a it's a difficult first couple rounds to get a, a, a gauge on because you only get one round uh, of action in the first round and the semifinals. So you've only got one round to kind of make a statement there. And, uh, you know, so props to, to Miranda Maverick for, for getting all the way through there. These these fights in the first couple rounds are are um, listed as uh, exhibitions. So uh, that those fights won't go on or against Shannon's record. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on the uh, Invicta Phoenix Rising uh, tournament? We got uh, Miranda Maverick is the winner. Shannon Young still a uh, pretty good show and got, uh, got into the final four. Yeah, man. Um, I like that, that layout. That's, that's the first I've heard of it. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it'd be nice to see the girls, you know, pressing a little harder in the first uh, couple of fights, you know, only having one round. Um you know, it'd be nice to see him going for some finishes. Um, you know, you get to see the rules play out when you start getting finishes in those early rounds. Um, but altogether, I think it was a it was a good show. Of course, also this weekend was Bellator 226. Uh, that was uh, Ryan Bader and Chet Congo uh, throwing down. There was a few uh, interesting fights on the undercard. Congratulations to uh, the Black Widow, Jessica Borga, Valor Vet. Uh, pulled off a big win on the undercard uh, of that uh, of of that show over Amber Librock, who's who's very tough. Uh, she submitted her. Uh, I want to say she submitted her in the, submitted her in the first round. So uh, congratulations to to Borga there. Hopefully that leads to some uh, some more opportunities for her in the Bellator promotion. Uh, let's see here. Uh, moving on down the line here, we had uh, uh, let's see. Looks like. Um, we had featherweights. We had a big upset to, to open the card, actually, that uh, Gaston Bolaños, who is a very, uh, very highly decorated uh, uh, Muay Thai uh, competitor and was a big favorite, uh, ended up losing by guillotine choke to Daniel Carey. We had the first round of the uh, 145 um, tournament, the featherweight tournament. They had like one half of the bracket did their first round. Uh, Emmanuel Sanchez gets a triangle choke over the previously undefeated Taiwan Claxton. Pedro Carvajal with a uh, face crank submission over Sam Cecilia. Adam Boritz, who's a guy that we all kind of uh, pegged as a, as a good uh, uh, one to watch in this tournament. He gets a second round ground and pound uh, victory over Pat Curran. And then Derek Campos gets a unanimous decision win uh, over Daniel Strauss. Uh, and a little bit of an upset right there. And then we had a, uh, in the main event, Ryan Bader um, and Chet Congo. It was uh, a no decision. Uh, we had an eye poke. Um, from ground and pound, and so we ended up not getting a decision there. Justin, your thoughts overall on this Bellator 226? Um, I was, you know, obviously shocked about the Bolaños loss right off the bat. 
Um, but Mini came in there and did what he, what he was supposed to do. You know, Bolaños is obviously a striker, and um, he saw the neck and, and pulled guard and jumped on it and uh, worked out for him. The Daniel Strauss-Campos fight, uh, Campos surprised me. I think Greg said last week, um, you know, that he was leaning Campos in that fight, um, and he was pretty dominant. I mean, uh, you know, definitely submitted himself uh, in that tournament, as well as, uh, you know, Bork had a, had a great show against Kern. Um, the main event was weird, man. I don't know. Did I guess you saw it. The, the, the angles that I saw, I couldn't, I never saw a finger go in an eye. I mean, it looked like maybe pushing up against his nose or something, but yeah, um, seemed a lot more like uh, Chet Congo was looking for a way out, and, and that was an easy one, and he took it. That was my initial uh, reaction as well there. Greg, uh, your uh, overall thoughts on Bellator 226. I don't know if you got to watch. I mean, obviously, it's college football season now, so Greg has uh, got a, is one eye on one thing and one on the other. Your overall thoughts on Bellator 226. Yeah, I'm absolutely everywhere. It's like prime time, prime time of the year for me. I love it. Uh, Adam Bork, uh, that was like we talked about it last week. Uh, I didn't expect that kind of performance from him. And then, the, yeah, also, uh, the main event, uh, like you said, check I'm going to be like, uh, I mean, if you want to fight, get in there and fight. You know, don't, don't, don't get, don't, 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 don't promote the fight, do this, do that, and push Ryan Bader at the damn face-offs and like cause a bunch of shit, man. Oh man, I got poked and I can't fight anymore. Like and like you said, I don't even think it was an eye poke. It was, but yeah, that's highlights of the fight. Or, you know, that's a main fight. event, title fight. Yeah, I know it was his fifth poor performance. I mean, in like. I mean, it just, what was the push at the, at the, at the, at the face-off for anyways? He pushed Bader. Like, I thought everybody liked Bader. Bader's a nice guy, right? But, you know, <laughs> Jack Congo just wanted to, I guess, throw a little gasoline on that fire, and he did, and then I amped it up for an eye poke. I don't know. It was just a real letdown for me in that main event. Of course, the big event this weekend was the pay-per-view that the UFC put on which was uh, early Saturday, uh, began in the late morning hours and went on into the afternoon uh, from Abu Dhabi. It was UFC 242. Uh, the prelims, Don Madge with a unanimous decision over Fares Zayim, Omari Akhmedov with a decision over Zach Cummings, uh, Muslim Salikov uh, with a big knockout, big knockout over Nordin Taleb. Uh, Bilal Muhammad submits Takashi Sato, uh, Atman Azatar with a big knockout himself of Timu Pakulin, uh, Sarah Moras with a TKO over Liana Jojua. Uh, and then, of course, we had a, uh, a, a, a split draw between uh, Zubera Tukagov and Lerone Murphy. Yeah, there was a big uh, there was a big favorite there. Uh, Tukagov was a, a real big favorite there to not get the win. And then we had a, uh, a, a split decision win for Joanne Calderwood over Andrea KGB Lee. So early in the night, uh, it is um, uh, Team Allah uh, rolling uh, out to an early uh, an early advantage. Only the draw there for Tuka Golf was the only blemish there uh, on the prelims anyway. Justin, uh, your thoughts on the preliminary card? Anything stand out? Uh, the first two fights were, were pretty boring. Um, Salikov kind of got us started out with that knock up, knockout of uh, Taleb. Um Below Muhammad looked great. Um, let's see, Joanne Calderwood was was probably my biggest standout on the undercard. Andrea Lee, you know, she's tough as nails, and and she was coming the whole fight. And Joanne's just just 
gritty and doesn't stop, um, you know, and, and got a win over Andrea Lee was, you know, on a seven fight win streak or something and, and probably looking at, at being close to a title with, with a win this weekend. And uh, Joanne came in there and got it done. Uh, let's see. That was about all all that really stood out to me on, on the, the undercard. Greg, uh, anything on these prelims stick out to you? We had uh, no, no, none of the uh, the Russian contingent uh, drop the ball except for the draw so far on the prelims. Anyway, did have some pretty good upsets. Calderwood was an underdog, and so was uh, Sarah Moras. Yeah, I actually uh, tailed Justin on that Underwood. Uh, uh, all uh, oh, God dang, sorry, I'm sitting here looking at my DraftKings right now. Calderwood. And, uh, yeah, Carter. What she, uh, but Andrea. Yeah, I like Andrea Lee a lot, but like you said, I was. I think it's time to fade her because she was getting stiffer competition. You could see not that she was fading or nothing like that because the girl's tough, tough the whole fight. And, and I, I admire that woman. She's awesome, and I, I follow on Instagram, on Instagram too. So, but I was looking at the, um, at the. Uh, you know, we joke, we we joke every week, right? Tim about the uh you know let's take the uh, let's take the home team, let's take yeah. this, let's do that. And uh, yeah, I tried to do it with Team Allah this time, and. Um, you know the thing about it was, is uh, I won. Actually, I actually only lost one fight on my whole DraftKings, and still, I mean, I think I won eight dollars off of four bucks or something. But it's, I still feel like I should have won a lot more. But that damn, yeah, um, you, know, you already know I'm not going to try to pronounce a lot of these names and make myself look stupid and make anybody else feel bad for having the name mispronounced. But uh, you know the guy that was, uh, you know, always, we always joke about taking the guy on the bottom of the totem pole too on DraftKings. Well, he ended up in a draw with the top guy. How do you pronounce? Oh, guy's name right here is Tuganoff. Tuganoff. I hate his name. Tukagoff. Tukagoff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get to see the fight, and I didn't even get to see any highlights from it. I just watched it on my ESPN. So I sat there and watched two little guys light up in red lights the whole time because I was working, and I couldn't watch it. But I had to sit there and just watch like the shots. And I was the way it looked like it looked like um, uh, Tukagoff won that fight. But I, y'all, can y'all tell me what happened there? I didn't get to see it, Justin. Did you? Did you get to watch that one in in depth? No, I actually missed that one too. That that's the guy that jumped over the cage and and punched Connor when Khabib yeah. was going through that whole thing, though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I heard about it. I heard that it wasn't the greatest decision um, from from what I read. But I didn't get to see that. Well, fight. just from yeah, from stats alone, and the, just looking at the uh, like you know the punches landed, takedowns, all this right here, you would think that. He he mustered up enough to get the victory, even though he didn't get a vi- he got a draw and still scored sixty two points on DraftKings, seventy two or twenty two significant strikes, two advances on six takedowns. He had a reversal and he had a knockdown. I don't see how you don't get a decision victory off of that unless I missed something and he and he got a point deducted from him. I don't know. I didn't get to see any of the fight, but I'm just saying from the stats that I read and what I saw the little lights blocking up it looked like he 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 should have mustered up the victory right there and i think he kind of got screwed and uh i did too so because my, my draft can only have one loss and uh still but like even though with all those wins like i took team all on and uh, owen and uh another one that uh ferreira uh good job Tim. that was a good call on that right there dude yeah, we'll get to, we'll go on to the main card and get on that one next here. Of course, and I, I'll take I will uh, take a battle on that one myself. I, I really like a CDF man. I uh, Carlos Diego Fajardo. I 
I, I ride that guy every time, and, and, and he's he's freaking good, man. And I knew he was in tough. I mean, that Maribek uh, Tysonoff guy was one of the biggest favorites on the card, and, and he's a machine. He's a killer. But, uh, man, Fajaya comes through with an unanimous decision. Um, Curtis Blades gets a TKO, uh, ground and pound, over Shamil Abdurakimov. We uh, we kind of liked uh, Abdurakimov because he was on Team Allah, and uh, he had a pretty good uh, a pretty good dog number, you know, return on underdog numbers there for him, but he wasn't able to get it done. That was two losses in a row for Team Allah, uh, but they turned it around there in the feature bout, unanimous decision win for Islam Makchaev over Davi uh, Hamos, and then uh, the uh, the co-main event, split decision, uh, Paul Felder evens the score, one-to-one now over Edson Barboza. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on the uh, the uh, uh, the, big, the pay-per-view uh, minus the main event? Uh, Edson Barboza, Felder was was awesome, man. And I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have been mad if that fight was a draw. That was a good fight. Like, but Felder's a tough, he's a tough son of a bitch, man. He is just, he is, a, he is a tough as nails. Uh, as far as the rest, like, I'm going to sit here and say again, I'm just, I'm going back to my, besides the main event. Uh, you know, you had, you had a, I mean, I don't know as far as the, like, I was saying, I don't want to say any of the guys' names wrong, you know, but the Curtis Blades fight, uh, actually really did surprise me because Curtis Blades came out there and was like, actually was aggressive and didn't sit still. And, but, I mean, that that was the only one on the card that really just took me by surprise because he was the only, you know, favorite on the card that I didn't really like. Yeah. You know? so, no, I can, I can agree with you there. I, I didn't like giving up the juice uh, on Blades as high, as high a favorite as he was. It was like I was just kind of waiting on something fucked up to happen and then lose. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But that one right there with uh, Shamil, Shamil, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna give it a shot. <laughs> Shamil Abdurakimov. Abdurakimov. There you go. What you said. Yeah. Uh, that he actually was. Uh, um, I don't know. He it disappointed me. Like, cause the way it started out, I thought you know maybe he'll start, you know lean in, you know drag him into his five. But no, as soon as Blades got his hands on him, it was. I mean, he didn't even land five strikes it was just i think he might have landed three total strikes and it might have been like him getting you know him blocking punches with his face or something but i don't know but uh yeah that was only like real surprise for me for the night right there justin your thoughts tyson came out super strong uh you know he had basically just weathered that first round and uh you know took a dominant second and third round uh you know when when all the striking exchanges uh you know, I think after the first round, um, Blades did Blades did good. He did did what he needed. You know, he kind of got on top and and ground and pounded his way to a win. Uh, scored me a lot of points on DraftKings. Um, Ramos is was the Ramos and, and uh, Islam Makachev fight was was kind of weird. I, I don't know. I felt like Ramos was was outsized. You know, and and definitely. Uh, Technically outmatched on the feet, um, he was just you know kind of winging punches the whole time. Um, but it was a pretty pretty dominant performance by uh, Islam Makachev. And the Paul Felder Edson Barboza fight was exactly like what we kind of expected. You know, just a war back and forth. Barboza landed some nasty body kicks. Um, you know, Felder just kept coming forward and, and throwing shots of his own. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, Fight could have went either way. I, I probably would have given it to Barboza, um, but there was the one judge had it uh, thirty twenty seven on one scorecards. Uh, 
for Felder. So that was that was real weird for me. But um, glad to see Felder get a win though. And of course, the main event for the lightweight championship, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, improves to 28-0, still undefeated. Gets the third round rear naked choke submission over Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Uh, a lot of people, as that fight got closer, I, I started hearing a lot of chatter that they really like Poirier as you know chances for the upset there. But uh, as I said last week, I've just got to see it. I've got to see somebody do it before I can pick against Khabib. And uh, 28-0 now, and, uh, you know, it's back to the drawing board for Poirier. Uh, Justin? Fun fact, the heat index uh, in that arena was like 122. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so they said it was, they said it was just, just ridiculous. Uh, but I, I kind of thought that, that Poirier had, had it in him, um, you know, but I, I said – He's also primed to quit, and uh, you know, once he got out in that third round and, and figured out that he just wasn't going to get anywhere with it, um, I mean, he, he had a couple of close guillotines and, and landed a couple of nice shots, but ultimately, I mean, you, you gotta you, you gotta have better footwork than that if, if you know when you're fighting Khabib. If he's if he's just pressing you against the cage, you're just going to end up on your butt over and over again. Uh, um, so you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Tony Ferguson fight. I think that. Tony's got the footwork to, to avoid that, but even if Khabib does take him down, Tony's so nasty with the elbows from his back and you know throwing submissions up like crazy. Uh, I think that'll be a good fight, but um, the dominant performance for for Khabib. Greg, your thoughts on the main event? Yeah, I'll second that. Uh, I think we uh, everybody probably won a little money off of uh, Khabib there because uh, I mean just that that takedown, like and actually like you said, Justin, his footwork. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week how we weren't, you know, we were all agreeing like that, you know, how they they were trying to build up, you know, Habib's uh, his uh, his footwork and his, you know, and his, and his hands and how he's like, you know, world le- world top notch level. And we were, you know, all in agreement that we disagreed about that statement. But I think that he did pretty good on this one right here, and he uh, he he did show some hands. And uh, but the, the still when it, when it becomes Habib time, it's, it but I didn't know. That fun fact about the uh, heat index being 122 or nothing like that—that that is, that sucks, man. I that would suck to have to fight in the middle of the cage with the heat index with all that, all those lights and everybody. You know, you're in you're in enemy territory being, you know, brave. That'd be damn. Just to touch on what you were saying about Khabib striking, you know, you, you can attest to this when your wrestling is is that far superior to everybody else's. You know, you're not you're not worried about the takedown where your your opponent is constantly you know looking to sprawl and 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 get oh, under really? hooks you know so you can you can come out just winging punches um yeah you know and and i think that's where he finds some success but his his technical striking is is not there um i right. think everybody's just scared to actually strike with him and, because you know yeah. you, you throw an overhand and he ducks under and takes you for a ride so um you know that's another another reason i think the, the ferguson matchup is good is uh you know, Tony's not not going to be afraid to go to the ground with him. Um, so I, I think Tony will be, you know, a lot more versatile striking than we've than we've seen other people uh, so far. You know what I think would be a good uh, a good prop bet on any kind of line for UFC would be if if Khabib and uh, and Tony Ferguson actually fight this time. Yes yeah, or no? Right. I would want, I would I would I mean because this is what the fifth fifth time mm-hmm. they tried to make yeah. this happen. I guess and, Dana uh, said. That- Dana said they were going to offer it to Tony because he's obviously, you know, the one deserving of it. But if he couldn't take it, then they were going to 
give it to Connor. But almost, you know, alluding to the fact that they've they've tried to do this thing four or five times already and it never works out. So, you know, just kind of saying he's already got a backup plan. Not that right. it's not that it's a good one, but well, do you want to? I don't want to see Habib versus Connor again. To be honest, I don't. I don't care to see that fight again. No, I don't need. I mean, I would like to see Connor knock out Habib, but I, I think. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, well, who would you want to see fight for the title then? Like who? I mean, I, I have somebody in mind, but I mean, for the for the title, I want. I want yeah, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, first off, but if if Tony couldn't do it. Who, who, who deserves a shot? I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to sit and think about it. Tony is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Tony is so far above everybody else. Um, you know, it's on a twelve fight win streak. He's got Khabib's undefeated, and you know, twelve and zero in the UFC. And Tony's on a twelve fight win streak in the UFC. So, um, you know, twenty four combined straight wins in the UFC. That, that that's just that's the fight you got to make. Oh yeah, I mean, I've been. I wouldn't want to watch this fight for years and years, and but every time. Tony gets hurt, or you know, Khabib just his weight's too high. But I think that you know maybe he's got that in order now. I, I hope so. But, I can't. Uh, even, I can't even think of who's in the top five because the people that were there, you know, several of them have moved up to seventy. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not even sure. I'd have to look at. I'd have to look at the rankings and and see. Um, I think. I think an in- interesting fight for Khabib would be Ryan Hall. Well, see, that's what I was going to say earlier when you were talking about how. Khabib is not afraid to go to the ground. Ryan Hall is definitely one that's not afraid to go to the, go to the ground. But here, I, I think that, you know, I think that, that I don't know about that fight because I think once it goes to the ground, I think Khabib would just smash him, you know, because I, I can see Ryan Hall going for ankles and going for any kind of like, a, you know, any kind of submissions and just getting pounded. Then again, in contradiction, what I'm saying, I could also see Ryan Hall snatching up a heel hook on Khabib. You know, that, that, I, 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 I wasn't going to say that because while you were talking about Khabib's footwork, he's not afraid. But that's the same thing with Ryan Hall. That's a, that would be a good good matchup. But do you think Ryan Hall's ready for that that right now yet? No, I don't think so. But I think that it's going to take somebody like that, or you know, like I think if if Ortega would have had the neck the way that Poirier had it, I think you would have seen Khabib go to sleep. You know, Khabib was was he did get a little panicked. It was pretty tight, but um, Dustin's mm-hmm. a high level black belt, but. There's just difference in, in, in squeezes, and, you know, that's one thing Ortega's, you know, that's why they call him T-City. You know, any, any of those um, triangle-type chokes, uh, he's just got a, a wicked squeeze, and, and uh, his leverage is, is great. Um, so I think that I think that'd be another good fight for Khabib. He's just, just too big. Um, I think the best, the most entertaining fight, I guess, um, the fight that, that's been talked about a little bit that uh, – would be would be wild. I don't think it's going to happen though. Is it would be uh, Khabib and GSP? Yeah, I've seen that picture online where they had that had GSP. It said he sucked down to like one fifty five. I don't think he was wearing one fifty five in that picture actually, but uh, maybe it was at one seventy. But yeah, I don't think we'll ever see that, will we? Like a one sixty five maybe. I don't know. I mean, uh, GSP. Had, I know that he did make that cut to make sure that he could do it um, a while back, and then it was talked about with Khabib and uh, with Khabib. You know, continuing to win, that's something that'll get GSP up in the morning, you know. Um, to, to yeah, I'm say, looking at that. You know, he, he's the most dominant. GSP is the most dominant wrestler uh, you oh, know, yeah. that, that there's ever been, but that's not the case anymore. Um, and I think that, that he would he would have uh, a lot of reason to get out of bed to go to go try to prove right. that he is. Well, I'm looking at the rankings right now, and Conor McGregor is ranked 17th overall. 
And uh, I don't want to jump the gun or anything like that, but I'll tell you somebody who's impressed me is Gregor Gillespie, uh, Gillespie in the uh, 155 rankings. But, I mean, I don't in no way, shape, or form think he's in any way you know, ready for, for that caliber athlete. But I think he's one to maybe keep an eye out on, you know, for the up-and-coming. Yeah, definitely, because, definitely a similar yeah, style, you know, and, and uh, that's they both they both play the same game. You know, Gregor's all about, you know, wrestling and getting top control and um, just being heavy and, and trying to pound you out there. Uh, I don't I don't think that I don't think if, you, if you're going to wrestle with Khabib, you're, you're going to lose. I, I don't I don't think mm-hmm. that, I don't think anybody is going to have that game plan and win. it's going to it's going to be somebody that's that's playing jiu-jitsu the, the way jiu-jitsu is made to be played um, and and using good footwork and, and movement in the striking department. Well, well if Conor McGregor's the one to do it, you know, I mean, then, you know, and like after talking about it with you for a little bit and realizing that, shit, you got Khabib, you know, he's number one in the world, go all the way down to number 17 is the only guy that's capable of probably beating him, and that's Conor McGregor. He's number 17 in the world right now, or uh, 155 over there now, so um, and and Gregor uh, uh, Gregor Gillespie is actually I think he's tenth. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Let me look that up again. Uh, well, it don't matter. But you got. I was saying, Conor McGregor may be the only guy that's uh, capable of beating him. It'll be interesting I, I, to see if these guys, if they, if they start, if you start seeing some matchmaking that is that elevates yeah. some of these guys up, you know, with them in some higher profile fights, so you can give that argument and start talking about them legitimately being in the picture. Because you know, I agree, style wise. It's going to, you know, that that's that's probably what you're looking at. But at the same time, they just haven't really been knocking off like top dogs. And so I'd like to shove them into the title picture. I think people it'd be a hard sell still. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There you go. That'll do it for UFC 242. Let's move on to this weekend. A little bit lighter in action. It is Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada. That will play the host of UFC on ESPN Plus, number 16. This is an all ESPN Plus card. Uh, We'll start off here on the prelims. Uh, Lightweights Kyle Prepolik takes on Austin Hubbard. Luis Smolka at Bantamweight takes on Ryan McDonald. Chaz Skelly, uh, featherweight, takes on Jordan Griffin. At Bantamweight, it's Brad Katona taking on Hunter Azure. Now, Hunter Azure is who we just saw in the Contender Series. That's who beat Chris Ocon. He's he's good. He's pretty tough. Uh, that's a good fight. Uh, Marvin Vittori steps in on short notice to take on Andrew Sanchez in place of David Branch. And then Cole Smith, the undefeated Cole Smith, 7-0, and takes on Miles Johns, also undefeated, 9-0. So you got 7-0 versus 9-0 at Bantamweight there. And then rounding out the prelims, heavyweights, Augusto Sakai. I don't remember thinking highly of Augusto Sakai. It takes on Marcin Tybura um, in a little international heavyweight action. Uh, Justin, anything on the prelims stand out to you? There's not a whole lot of really widely lined fights. All these fights are lined fairly tightly. Yeah, man. I mean, for for just a, a strictly a fight fan, um, this would be this would be a fun one to watch. There's there's a lot of, of good matchups with with some young up and comers. <clears throat> um, like you say, Hunter Azure is is top notch, and and Brad Katana is is, is as well. Um, interested to see uh, the uh, Andrew Sanchez and, and Marvin Vittori fight. Oh, that got canceled. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just now saw that. Well, that one sucks. Um, 
Uh, I guess the the uh, the only other fight on that one that keep an eye on maybe Luis Smolka um, at bantamweight. Uh, Brian McDonald is is ten and one and and you know trying to trying to make a a, a name for himself in the division. And Luis Smolka has, has been around for a minute, so um, look for a good fight there. Greg, anything jump out to you on these prelims? Uh. I mean, I see a mismatch in the very, very first fight with uh, with Austin Hubbard. I'd probably maybe side with him on there and lean towards him. I'm not really sure. Smoka, yeah, I'd look at him. And I was actually looking at their uh, – I like Chad Skelly, too. Uh, let's see, who else here? I like Brad Katana against Hunter Jury. You say he's the one that beat Chris Ocon? Yeah, he looked solid, man. Yeah, he did look good. Actually, I watched that fight. Okay, so there's some name recognition there. But I think that Brad Katana is – Yeah, Katona's good. Yeah, I think he's good. The odds uh, on that one, the odds on that one, Katona's like minus one seventy. Really? Yeah, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably put a little mustard on there right there. And if you look at the uh, Katona on the, uh, trying to find him on DraftKings right now because I figured he'd be up there pretty high. I'd say he's but, a very high price. Yeah, yeah, eighty nine. He's eighty nine hundred. But Azure, let's see where he's at. On him, he's only seventy three, and that's not yeah, a bad take. On that's pretty good value. Yeah, well, there's a bunch of good values. I mean, there's Don Cerrone's 7,200. Uriah Hall is 7,100. Uh, there's, there's a few of them on here. Duffy's on here. You got Crute, Lowe, he's 82. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. There's, 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 Krylov is on there against Teixeira. He's, he's 85. So uh, that's uh, that's why. But, yeah, that's, let's, let's go on to the next, next sure. one right here. I'm – so the main card, the main card is going to be. Uh, it's interesting. The the uh, the undercard. There's a lot of lighter weight guys, and the main card's bigger guys. We got uh, light heavyweights. Misha Serkinov takes on Jimmy the Brute Crute, undefeated, ten and zero. This kid's look pretty damn good. Uh, and then we got middleweights. ACJ Antonio Carlos Jr. Um, is taking on Uriah Hall. And that should be a pretty interesting one, too. Uh, then we have Michael Pejea, 23 and 9. Uh, he is welterweight, and he is taking on the short notice Tristan Connolly, 13 and 6, Canada fighter. So uh, keep an eye on that one there. It could be a, a situation where someone's been called up just to, he looks like he's taking the place of a Sergey Candosco. Um, but anyway, I'd say he's also the most uh, heavy underdog on the card. It looks like uh, Pahea is uh, like minus 500. Uh, let's see. Feature bout is the return of Todd Duffy. The heavyweight Todd Duffy's back. He takes on Jeff Hughes. Um, and then in the co-main event, Glover Teixeira takes on Nikita Krylov, who is uh, – that's a light heavyweight. And then the main event, that's be the fight that everybody's looking forward to, I believe. The uh, lightweights do battle for five rounds. Cowboy Don Cerrone takes on Justin Gaethje. Real good uh, main card. I like this main card. It, you know, and I, you know, for me to say something's good, that's, you know, it means it's pretty good. So I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, Justin, getting started there with with uh, Jim Crute and Serkinov at uh, light heavyweight. That'll be that'll be a banger to get you started and, and then probably followed right up with, with the Uriah Hall fight. Um, yeah, man, a lot of hitters on this card, Todd Duffy, um, maybe a lot of knockouts. I, I definitely, what do you, do you have the, uh, over under on Duffy and Hughes? Uh, looks like it is. The fight doesn't go to a decision is minus 300. 
but there is nothing like a two and a half or a one and a half. You can get Duffy to win inside the distance at plus 150, and I feel like that is where your money's at. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you seen Jeff Hughes fight? Yeah, he's not very spectacular. He uh, It seems like he, he beat Maurice Green. It, it, I think he beat him, and he's lost to him. Uh, I, I, that tells you about, you know, he's about on that level. Yeah. Um, kind of a, a crossroads for Glover to share. He's, he's got to come out and get a win if he wants to, to keep a job, I think. Um, and Krylov is, you know, fairly new back into the UFC uh, after a little layoff, and, and, you know, he's hungry. So um, I like Krylov in that fight. Do you have the odds on that? Yeah, I like Krylov a lot right there. It's a pick em. It's pretty much a pick em. They're both minus 110. That'd be a good straight play. Yeah. Um, and the, the main event, I love, man. It's it's uh, a hard one to, to, to pick, you know. I think that um, if Cerrone is patient and, you know, uses good footwork and, and sits back and waits for for the right shot, he can, um, you know, get a highlight reel knockout over Gaethje. I think Gaethje puts himself in those positions, um, you know. And But by doing that, you know, he, he, he gets some, some knockouts that are, unexpected i mean he just comes full forward and uh, running at you um but cerrone's cerrone's done well against those that style and then then you know he's, he's had nate diaz uh come at him and and he just kind of folded that time so um i think older wiser cerrone I, I think i look for uh cerrone to make a big statement here greg i will roll with probably well, let's see. We're going to start out from the very first one. Uh, is it Serkinov and uh, Brute. Brute? The Brute. Man, that's going to be a good little fight. Somebody, somebody's going down, but I got Jimmy yeah. Crute there. I got Crute there. On the next one, you got Carlos Jr. and uh, Uriah Hall. And uh, I'd say that Carlos Jr. is probably a pretty heavy favorite in that fight. Is it? Uh, and so what are the odds of that one right there? Um, ACJ is minus two. Uh, is I see him as high as minus two forty, but I see him as low as minus one sixty. So it's a pretty good wow. guess. Yeah, but I oh, like a shoe face here, man. I got I got to go with ACJ. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not putting any money on your right hall, but I mean those spinning those spinning back kicks are you know are lethal if he's able to land one. Uh, going on to the next one, uh, Michael Pereira. How you pronounce his name? What, what's that now? Uh, Michael Pereira. Oh, my, uh, he's the biggest favorite. Yeah, uh, he's minus five hundred. Well, you're looking at uh, Tristan Conley, and he's on the very bottom of the totem pole over there in DraftKings. I think sixty-seven, and he is the number one welterweight coming out of the country of Canada. So, like you said, this is one to keep an eye out for him. And, and we always we always talk and we joke about it every single week. And we, we never know what we're going to say the next week except for the fact that, hey, we talk about it every single week, you know. That's what right. we're going to say because Trist, yeah, I mean, because Tristan Conley is the bottom man on totem pole, and I think that he could probably maybe be put put on as, as somewhat of a showing being, uh, you know, on the main card here. And then Todd Duffy coming back, I think that he gets uh, – if he doesn't get the finish in the first or second round, you're going to see a lot of hugging up against the cage, I think. And then uh, – well, uh, you know, Hughes is the favorite. Hughes Hughes is the minus 130 favorite, oddly enough. And that's surprising to me because to me this looks like matchmaking that's, that to make Todd Duffy relevant again. Well, the if you look at the matchmaking piece of it, it's, it looks like a huge mismatch on paper because you've got the number 52 guy 
and the or I'm sorry, the number sixty two guy in the world, uh, you know, pound, you know, for heavyweight, and you got the other guy who is Todd Duffy, uh, one, he's one hundred twenty one. So there's a big, big, huge gap in their uh, in their rankings right there. And you know, Todd Duffy's been top, out so long. Yeah, he's been out. So that, but I mean, I don't know if Jeff Hughes can take a big shot like this. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that somebody's going out regardless. Uh, so I think like you guys were talking about finishing in the in the within the distance. I don't know. You said that's minus three hundred. That don't sound too, too good. Yeah. But you can uh, get Todd I'm, Duffy to win inside the distance plus one fifty. And what well, what is Todd Duffy? Uh, what is his uh, what if, what is his odds just straight up to win? If, plus uh, if he's, uh, plus, plus one hundred five. Yeah, I'd probably play those odds. I'd probably play those odds. And then going on the next one, I would take Krylov over Teixeira because, uh, I mean, Teixeira's got some knockout power and he's a, he's unpredictable. But I just think that, um, I think that his, uh, he just, he got knocked out too many times and he's, uh, he's, he's caught up with him. And, uh, I think that Krylov's a monster that he's not ready for. And, uh, I could eat my words, but I'll be putting, I'm putting Krylov on my DraftKings. And then, uh, I've been fading Cerrone a lot just because I keep wanting to think that he's not ready. But uh, Justin Gagey, I think that uh, I think that that's that's going to be a hell of a you know coming out of the gates. It's going to be pretty good. I don't see Justin going out slow. I see him jumping on Donald as fast as he can. But you know, just to rub on the coattails of what Justin said, I think that if he can weather the storm and uh, and catch Gagey when he when he drops his hands, I think that he can knock him out with a head kick, like you said, a highlight kick, a highlight knockout, anything. Well, that will do it for our preview of UFC on ESPN Plus. Number 16, Cowboy versus Gaethje goes down this Saturday on ESPN Plus. We will recap all that action next week. And with that, we'll take us into our main section of the show. That is the Valor 63 recap and reactions segment. We will go over our picks, panel picks, as well as a fight-by-fight recap here. And uh, we're going to let old Justin Watson sit back in on this. Uh, In in the past, we haven't done this, uh, mainly because Justin just doesn't sit in on the picks panel because he he judges the fights. Uh, But we figure with the recap and the the reaction of such, it might be interesting to hear from a judge's perspective. So, uh, you know, and, and Justin won't be sitting in on the picks panels moving forward still. He, he'll he still be sitting those out since those are before the fight happens. So uh, overall, it was a good night of fights, man. It was a lot of action, some upsets. You know, the, the red corner came with it uh, on this on this night. So uh, to recap our scores going into this week. Greg Hopkins entered with a score of 24 and 3. Mark Laws behind him at 21 and 6, and Jeff Hobbs 19 and 8. So a three point deficit from first to second here. We'll see how it all shakes out. Our first match. Pancreation rules, 165 pounds, a couple 15-year-old youngsters got us uh, kicked off. And these Pancreation fights have been a lot of fun. We haven't had a bad one yet. You know, these guys really bring it. It was Evan Ledford making his debut out of No Mercy MMA, Goon Squad, Union, South Carolina, the first of four to come out of the gates for them on this night. He was taking on the debuting Zeke Shaw from the Wolves Den Martial Arts in Madisonville, Tennessee. Uh, we've seen uh, Zach Garner come out of there, CJ Talent. So it was interesting to see what one of their young bucks could do. 
these guys really went at it, you know. Uh, they, 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 they went for broke in the second round. It ended up being a rear naked choke for Zeke Shaw that got him the win. Uh, ultimately, though, uh, you know, good experience for both these guys. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier in one of our interviews, and I said, you know, nobody's going to remember uh, who wins this pancreation match, you know, years from now. But the experience gained uh, for both these guys, you know, as they move into their MMA years will be uh, will be invaluable. Uh, let's uh, break it down here. Of course, uh, it was uh, it was uh, Shaw was the pick for Greg and Mark. They both got it right. Jeff went with Ledford and got that one wrong. Uh, Greg, uh, your thoughts? I'm just glad that we, we went in the order we went in and I couldn't change my pick there at the end of the night last Wednesday because at the end of the night to. when we started talking. Yeah, you, and Jeff, Jeff called me out on that. So uh, thank you, Jeff, for catching me on that. But uh yeah, like you were talking about these pancreation fights, man. Like these these kids go out there and they they leave it all out in the cage. Like like they're fighting for something. Like they they know they ain't made it yet. They know they ain't done nothing, and like they're wanting to do it. Like they're I mean these guys are swinging for the fences with every shot, and they're connecting, and they're not going down. I don't and, and it's not like saying there ain't a lot of power behind these shots because these guys are throwing they're throwing some uh, there's leather they're throwing it hard too. So but. <laughs> With that being said, yeah, it is a real impressive victory. I think that Evan, you know, just kind of might have uh, – he might have just, like, let loose a little bit too much in the uh, end of the first round. And, then, you know, guys take empty and he didn't have enough time to, you know, really get back get back his win before Zeke could take his back and choke him. So – well, uh, you know, I, and both these kids have got a little a little swagger to them. You know, Zeke, you know, he was flexing around a little bit. And, and uh, Evan, he came out in the dang mask, you know, like it, yeah, it was, these yeah. guys put on a little show. Uh, Justin, what did you think about these uh, these kids? Uh, man, it was, it's impressive. How old did you say they were? They were 15. Uh, uh, 15, 15. Both 15. That's crazy. I mean, you know. It, it's awesome that, that there's a, a place for, for kids to get started, you know, that early and, and get a taste of competing. Um, you know, it's, it's where you're going to see the next evolution of fighting. You know, you're already seeing that these kids that have been training since they were 13, 14 and, um, you know, going pro at 18. Um, it's always fun to watch those kids get out there and, and mix it up. Then we moved on to our uh, MMA portion of the car. There was no kickboxing on this night. Uh, light heavyweights, it was Chad the Freak Finnerty improving to two and three uh, with a second-round TKO over the real Bulldog. Robert Davis drops to 0 and 2. Uh, Chad was able to, uh, you know, he was all in on those takedowns, and, uh, you know, he, he was uh, tenacious on him. He got him. And in the second round, uh, he was able to get to mount and get a TKO and get that win and move to two and three. So congrats to Chad. Uh, good showing up there by Robert Davis. I'm sure he's going to be right back to it in no time. Uh, uh, Greg, your thoughts here? All three panelists got that one correct on Chad Finnerty. Yeah, Chad looked good, man. He actually uh, – I don't see how he does it weighing 205 and being as stocky as he is and still looking like he's got abs. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it looked like he had abs in that fight, and it was just crazy. But he was um, – he was a uh, he was tenacious on his takedowns and he went back to his bases base uh, back to his like back to his roots of wrestling and he stuck to that takedown and he, he kept turning the corner and uh, taking Davis down and that's what he that's what he needs to do to win fights he, he needs to quit trying to get caught up in the whole and uh, falling in love with his hands and getting getting you know taking hits and licks and and trying to fire back and playing that tip attack game and he needs to go back to what he what he knows and he, when he does he wins so congratulations Chad Henry uh, Justin here's your take on this one. Uh, yeah, kind of just what Greg said, um, you know, that's 
the wrestling is 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 his department and um you know getting back to it it's what got him back in the wing column um i don't know there's a weird weird stoppage uh, i think but um you know davis wasn't doing anything he wasn't wasn't getting out from underneath him so um ultimately i guess that's, that's what ends up happening yeah, yeah, we'll we'll note we'll uh, t- note on that real quick. It was a uh, situation where I don't think Robert was taking just a whole heck of a lot of damage, but he also wasn't doing a whole lot to uh, you know to to defend himself or to improve his position. So uh, referee Chris Bond always at the center of <laughs> controversy. Uh, I was okay with that stoppage, uh, you know, ultimately because I mean, how many you know where do you draw the line at you know thirty? Yeah. You know, at, you know, at what point you just be like, okay, it's this is enough, you know. So I'm okay with it. Uh, moving on to the lightweights, it was a last minute replacement. Skylar Marshall making his debut out of Greenback, Tennessee. Uh, he didn't get it done in this one. He lost first round armbar to Brandon McGee, who improves to one and one out of Gamma. Uh, nice showing for McGee. Uh, props to Marshall for stepping up on short notice, and he was game, man. He was out there throwing, you know, and uh, he he was he was there all the way to the end. But uh, Brandon McGee uh, managed to get that armbar and move to one and one and now we're going to get a quick turnaround for brandon mcgee who will move on to the saudi daisy card to take on a debuting daniel gonzalez from the highest stand camp wrestler from what i gather uh greg your take yeah oh, McGee. for the record all the all the panelists were correct and all chose mcgee yeah he uh he looked really impressive coming out there and real dominant i'm actually I, he, he surprised me really. I was anxious to see uh, to see what was going to happen there because, like you said, Skylar Marshall did come out. He came out with some fire, like, and he you say he took this on how many days notice? About a week. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, did, I that's crazy, man. And Skylar Marshall, he did. He came out there. He's kind of a. Uh, you know, he did, you could tell he was green, and he he still had a little caveman in him. Yeah. He, every time he got he had, yeah, every time he got hit, he wanted to like just fire off. You know, he he'd, he'd get hit and he'd forget. That hey he can get hit again right after right you know so he would just drop his hands and start throwing and and, and McGee would just capitalize on that McGee and I'm actually anxious to see that quick turn on Barry McGee and uh, Gonzalez who's he who's he fighting there he, he, yeah his name's Daniel Gonzalez he's from Nalo's group down there he'll be his yeah. debut he says he wrestled uh, with his son yeah I'm excited to see that one right there that's gonna be a good fight for both guys it's gonna be a, one of those junior matches because uh, Barry McGee seems like he's a he's a you know a, a brawler. More or less, and then uh, and then uh, you got the, uh, the guy from Hassan over there. He's going to be a wrestler, you said. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's going to be a wrestler. Gonzalez, so that's that's going to be a real good match. That whole, whole Saudi card is turning out great. Moving on, we had a featherweight bout, and this was the first one that our panelists all got incorrect. And earlier we spoke with Mr. Bradley Brakefield, who got a unanimous decision win representing No Mercy MMA and the Goon Squad over the Seagoat, Anthony Cochran. He drops his third in a row, drops the two and four uh, out of KMAA in Knoxville. Uh, Brakefield came in and, and really surprised some people, I thought, with his uh, his savviness on the ground. I was complimenting him that he stayed very composed. Uh, for a fighter that was 0-1, he found himself in some really bad spots, but he stayed composed, and he and he did either sweep or he'd survive to the bell. And, uh, you know, really just... Uh, brought it to Anthony Cochran who uh you know it was a really good fight it was it was close but it was a unanimous decision ultimately for Bradley Brakefield if I can recall it was two rounds to one uh for I'm gonna get both your takes on this but Justin your take as one of the judges here this was one that was uh it was it was really it was really close this is this fight was back and forth I mean it, you know kind of came down to the transitions um both guys came came in there to fight I was like you I was very impressed with, with Brakefield's um 
you know, ground abilities and uh, kind of, you know, Cochran is, is, you know, more of a wrestler and um, that that seemed to be where he wanted to take the fight. But, um, you know, the second and third round, Brakefield just, just had no quit in him and um, he kept winning the transition battles and, and came out on top. Uh, Greg, your thought here, a uh, little bit of an upset. All the panelists went with Cochran here to, to right the ship, if you will, uh, pun intended. Uh, he couldn't get it done. Yeah, I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of bit of us got it wrong because Bradley Brakefield, man, came came out. I mean, he was. I think the thing about the No Mercy MMA and the Goon Squad, they, like if those guys are coming to fight, you best be ready for a little bit of technique and a lot of bit of bullshit because they're going to come crazy. <laughs> and I no no, I'm, I'm, I mean that with all due respect. I do that with all due respect because you know with the spinning back fist and the crazy just off the wall like shots that you you don't see coming like the and then like the scrambles like that these guys like that bradley and anthony were going to get in bradley was just coming out on top and that uh, he was in better shape than cochran was too on top of that so these guys are training like they're just i, I think these guys are just going in their gym every day knocking the shit out of each other beating the hell out of one another like really fighting like, you know what i'm saying because like when, when, if you're going to fight one of those guys you might as well throw you know, all, not all technique out the door, but you better get ready to fight. You better get ready to brawl because they're coming. They're coming for your head, and they're coming to take you out. Now, I ain't just saying that about that one fight. I'm saying the whole the whole group that came this weekend. And this this, now this fight right here, they were one and one up to this point. But and we got another one right after that coming after right. That's right. Yeah, we moved on to the pro portion of the card. It was uh, Billy Two Tone Combs. And the Ninja Turtle himself, Paul Teague, who we spoke with on the podcast, he's he's quite the character. Uh, we had a you know an altercation at the weigh-ins where they got in each other's face, and Paul had the mask, and Billy was overweight, crazy, and had to cut all night. Billy came in like something crazy over, like oh god, like fourteen pounds over, and he cut weight all night and came in at one seventy-five actually. So he cut like eleven pounds. Um, and so, uh, I guess props to him and we <laughs> don't know, like, uh-huh. I don't even know really, like get your shit together so and on weight, Billy, but like, I get good on you for making a fucking hellacious effort, I guess, overnight to get it as right as you could. Uh, that said it, it, you know, it was all just real short, man. Uh, Paul was able to lock up a guillotine, a standing guillotine up against the cage. I don't think that Billy ever tapped and they stopped it because I think they thought he was out. I don't know that he was out, but it also didn't look like he was going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Greg, your thoughts. Paul Teague is the Uh, unanimous pick for all of the panelists. I had a lot of thoughts on this one, man. Like, didn't how much did Billy have to go through just to get get to the, v, the venue? Oh, it was an adventure, man. It was an adventure. Billy's car messed up. Mark was to pick him up up in Johnson City, for which for people that are not aware of the area, it was about two hours from Knoxville. Uh, Billy wasn't able to get to the rendezvous point, and it got to the point where we thought we were going to scrap the fight. We didn't really know what to do at this point because, I mean, we're talking we're just a few hours away from weigh-ins and um ultimately it was evan ledford's mother shout out to her uh miss cindy who uh rode up to mountain city to scoop up billy uh this is the teammate of paul t his opponent this is his team the teammate's mother the uh, the guy that fought in the the very first in the pancreation match she went up and got him and so like it was just one of those things where we're just flying by the seat of our pants we get billy down there he wait the commission is graceful enough to come to our second weigh-in to clock billy's weight that evening billy comes in 
crazy over and at that point begins to cut weight like a son of a bitch for the next, you know, 12 hours. I'm sorry, probably more than that, but about 14 to 16 hours probably. And comes in at, at like 175 and he was like 185 or 186 or something the <laughs> night before. So he cut a lot of weight the night before. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a circus to have a 36 well, second finish. Well, like the thing, the thing about it was that the circus didn't stop there because not only did Paul Teague, one of Paul Teague's teammates going to pick Billy up. That once Billy got there, Paul Teague had absolutely zero respect for him by pulling a pillow out of his bag and throwing it in Billy's face and yeah. pushing him. And I was just like, "Damn, man, <laughs> fucking poor little two tone man. He he just trying. He's just trying to get up here and fight. He's just catching hell every which way he can. And then when they yeah. fought, like you know, he didn't tap. Like he was putting on an effort. And, and but that Jap Wizard that Paul Teague threw was just something dirty. He almost lost his back because of it, but still dirty. It was badass. That's what I'm saying, man. If you're going to fight these guys, you might as well just keep your wits about you because they're going to they're gonna pull some shit out of nowhere and just hit, hit you with it. But, <laughs> Distraction uh, yeah, but, but Yeah, but, you know, he didn't tap either. Like, it did kind of look like he went limp for a second, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know, really. It was, uh, but, uh, you know, and Billy even said, he goes, I didn't tap. You know, and Paul Teague just, you know, come in there and say, hey, we can run it back if you don't even want to again, you know, so, um I don't know if we want to see I don't that know one about, again. I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see that one again either. But, uh, so anywho, uh, congratulations to Paul Teague and Billy. Come on, man. Get you, get you, get you one in the winning column, man. Yeah, congrats to Paul Teague. Gets that pro career started off right and uh, in dominant fashion. And he's now 1 0. Looking forward to seeing what is next from Paul. And yeah, Billy's going to have to do something, man. He's going to have to turn it around uh, sooner than later. And uh, we'll see what happens next with all two tone. Up next, we had uh, probably what most would consider the upset of the evening as Brian Stonehands Jackson of the aforementioned Goon Squad comes to town and knocks off Caleb Miller, previously undefeated Caleb Miller from KMAA, uh, in a with a third round, um, a rear naked choke. And uh, <clears throat> that was, uh, man, it was uh, not the outcome most people expected. You know, Brian comes in as a boxer. I think most people expected him, uh, you know, to have uh, great striking, which which he did show. But I don't think a lot of people were counting on that ground technique. And, uh, man, he showed off just enough wrestling where Caleb wasn't able to get him down at will and uh, was able to to kind of make Caleb pay in those entries to the point where Caleb became hesitant, I thought. And uh, and then it, 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 Brian was the one on the offensive. And so uh, really good performance there from, from Brian Jackson. He comes in to the hometown and uh, knocks off the – knocks off the hometown favorite and uh, you know Brian's on a multi-fight deal so we're going to see him back in a very exciting style uh, from Stonehands Jackson uh, Justin your take there that fight uh, now we weren't using open scoring uh, at that point because it was a pro fight uh, you know from a judge's perspective uh, your take those were those the, the fight in my opinion though was uh, you know maybe one to one but in maybe two to nothing Jackson it was close yeah, I feel like I had it um, one-to-one. Um, he actually, Jackson caught him with a standing guillotine. It was the same thing that, that Paul Teague hit on, on Billy the fight right before it. Um, but the, the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from it, you know, was, was the um, the inactivity off of the takedown, you know, from Caleb. Once he got there, he just he was kind of content just to, to stay there and rest and um you know, if, you, if you're going to work that hard to get a takedown, you, you got to do something once you get there. 
Um, you know, and he was eating a lot more shots from the bottom than he was than he was throwing from the top. And um, you know, just spent a lot of the time, a lot of the fight, just, just kind of you know leaning on the fence. And um, you know, definitely the the opposite of what you would have would have thought was going to be the outcome um, if Brian Jackson was going to win. But um, super impressive. You know, I, I think that both of these guys are going to really honestly flourish from this. I think obviously uh, for Brian Jackson, it's a huge motivation and a big, uh, you know, confidence boost for him. He's 1-0 now undefeated uh, as a pro MMA fighter. Caleb strikes me as the type that this is really going to motivate him too, though. I think that this, we're going to see a, uh, a a whole new fighter next time we see Caleb Miller because he just, uh, you know, just from talking to the guy, you, you know that he's the type that is really going to – this and he doesn't want to taste this this taste of defeat again so you know he's going to work extra hard and and make those uh those little slight adjustments to uh to make you know the next step in his career greg your thoughts on this one all the panelists got this one wrong and went with caleb miller so we uh we talked to brian jackson earlier as well uh again no mercy mma Anything that you think you might know about your opponent, go ahead and just throw it out the gate because we thought, you know, Brian Jackson would come in and try to open up hands. And we thought that Caleb Miller was going to be able to close the distance enough and get inside, but uh, he actually was able to tag Caleb and then, like, you know, threw in that little that guillotine choke. And uh, uh, he just, you know, surprised, surprised the hell out of me. Cause, uh, but like you said, I, it, it, it was a big, big loss for Caleb, but I think Caleb also maybe may have realized that, uh, Maybe 170 is is way is is a way too big of a weight class for him to be fighting pro, because uh it wasn't even Brian's uh, hands that threw Caleb off. It was the way he was able to uh, keep Caleb off balance in the fight with the with you know just with his strength and move and his and his and his uh and moving him with his body. So I think that uh Caleb you know should stay at maybe 155. I think he's a lot more dominant there. He's a lot quicker. He's stronger at 155, and uh, Brian Jackson. I'm excited to see what comes from him, and 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 you know whenever we get to see him fight again. Up next was light heavyweights, and this is another battle, man. It was Corey Farmer making his debut, independent fighter out of Murphy, North Carolina. Gets the third-round TKO over Gabriel Atkinson. Uh, came in at 1-0 and out of KMAA, Knoxville. And uh, this, is a, this is back and forth, man. It was, it was a battle. Uh, Atkinson was really lighting Farmer up a lot on the feet, but Farmer was just tenacious on getting in on those takedowns and, uh, and just – persevered just kept moving forward just kept going for it and then finally got it in the third round uh got a tko ground and pound but man this is a this is a war and uh, mark was the only one to 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 pivot off and take Corey farmer in this this is a young kid he's 19 years old and he's got a, a whole lot of uh potential in my opinion uh to be an independent kid out of uh, north carolina there at 19 uh atkinson uh, good showing from him as well you know it's just he ran into a kid that was very tenacious and wasn't going to be denied and had a a base skill set to rely to fall back on in, in that wrestling to kind of carry him deep into the fight there uh greg your thoughts oh man Corey farmer dude hats off to him independent of murphy north carolina a little fact that i didn't know before we made the picks is that he used to train at ben cockers down there in dalton so there's, you know there's no telling who he's trained from but you know what i i do and this is another reason why i gotta take my hat off to him is because you can tell that he was coming from a karate base and defending himself with his kicks and stuff so like that's for the first time in a long time i've seen somebody win uh with the karate base in a fight and uh that was pretty cool to see actually uh 
never thought I'd say that, but that was pretty neat because he kept, he just, that's all he did was just use his, you know, uh, Gabriel was trying to take him down and come forward, come forward. Gabriel, uh, Farmer just kept, you know, kicks, kept these, these little frustrating kicks to where it just slowed Gabriel enough, you know, slowed him down enough to where, you know, Corey could, uh, you know, finally get, you know, you know, impose his will, you know, but I just, I enjoyed that fight right there. Uh, but a hats off to both fighters. I don't know who, who got fight of the night, by the way. Can I, I it was, uh, Breakfield and Cochran. Breakfield and Cochran got the got the fight of the night there. Breakfield Cochran. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Justin, that was uh, you know an impressive debut from uh, the nineteen year old farmer. Yeah, man, it was uh, you know all heart and and uh, no give up in him. Um, and then once once the fatigue set in, you know he was able to to, to weather the storm and, and get the outcome he wanted in the first round. Gabriel was was running him down. I mean, you know, Gabriel was going for the finish, and um, Corey just refused to, to get taken out of there. And uh, Gabriel, you know, may have may have thrown everything he had into trying to get that finish. And um, you know, just just once they got to the ground, he just you know got. I think he he kind of was just um, just exhausted. At this point in our picks, Mark has made up one of his three-point deficit by going with Farmer. Uh, bringing us into our next bout, it was a lightweight uh, rematch. We had a couple of rematches in a row here now. Uh, it was Alan Miller, 3-2 uh, and two out of Somerset Martial Arts there in Kentucky under Ian Lawler, looking to avenge an earlier decision loss to Parker the Viking Wadman, 2-1, and one. KMAA coming in off of a loss to Albertus. He's looking to turn around quick. The first time these guys fought, Wadman got the uh, decision uh, using his wrestling uh, to kind of stifle Miller. Uh, you know, this time uh, it, Miller was able to defend that takedown much better. And in the times that he was on the ground, much like the first time, you know, he did a lot of work uh, from his back and takes a split decision win over Parker Wadman. Uh, so it evens the score if you will, one-to-one. Nice showing uh, from both guys. You know, I thought both guys actually looked improved from their first time out, but Miller uh, looked real good. Uh, like, you know, very impressive. And he's a he's a big, strapping young man at 155, I got to say. Uh, Justin, you were one of the judges on this one, split decision. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I was actually on, on the, the wrong side of this one. I, I, had, I had Parker winning the fight. Um, I think maybe just the inactivity again, you know when he when he would get the takedown and be on top, he just um, you know he was just kind of stalling. And then when they were when they were getting into striking exchanges, uh, Miller was was landing the bigger shots and uh, doing the more damage. So um, that's probably what played a factor in, in it for the other two judges. But um, I don't know. Ultimately, I, I, I had Wadman uh, winning the fight, but uh, it was back and forth. Both guys were were you know hungry and 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 giving it everything they had. Greg, your uh, your thoughts on this one? It was it was another very you know back and forth affair. It was a fight that I enjoyed watching and hated picking. Uh, I believe I did take uh, Parker Wadman in that fight and uh, thought that he was gonna win, thought that he was gonna win. Is Park is Wadman always fought at fifty five? Um, he fought at one at a little higher. I want to say his debut okay. was at sixty or sixty five. I I wasn't sure, but Alan Miller actually, you know, he's he stood out. He did. He was they, both of these guys. I, that's you know, but anyways, we'll. Uh, I'm not going to go into into depth of this. I I picked Parker Wobbin to win, but Alan Miller surprised me. Turned ahead that night and improved his record to four and two, and uh, really stood out head and shoulders above a lot of people up to this point 
in the fight, you know, aside Corey Farmer, but, uh, and, and, uh, Brian Jackson, but, uh, you know, Alan Miller actually, you know, he, he, uh, he made a name, a bigger name for himself this month. Well, now that I look at it, all three panelists chose Parker Wadman here. We owe Alan Miller uh, an interview. I need to make that happen next week. So, yeah, Alan Miller, we yeah. owe you an interview because everybody got that one wrong. Uh, moving on, yep. we had another rematch. This one was uh, Chloe, uh, the little bull, Padilla at a KMAA, uh, Frankie's Body Shop, taking on Mary Rosenbeck, uh, who was coming in looking for her first win. She was 0-5 coming into this one. Chloe had won their initial encounter but it was really good it was really close and uh, the fans loved it so we put them together again and they really delivered again and, and mary showed a lot of improvements like she's really uh come a long way since the last time we saw her she's able to get go out there and uh and she got the win you know congratulations congratulations to her she got a, a unanimous decision a clear-cut victory uh and gets that first win so congratulations to mary rosenbeck happy for you she is a very sweet girl and, and a pleasure to deal with and i uh, can't wait to have her back I'm sure Chloe will make some adjustments. Uh, you know, she's got a great team behind her. And, uh, you know, I think Chloe's one that I, she just really kind of has to figure out, like, what her identity is going to be out there as a fighter. You know, what is it she's looking to do exactly? And I think, uh, you know, she's definitely got a ton of potential. Uh, very young in her MMA career as well. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Uh, I'll touch up on what you were just saying about Chloe. Uh, yeah, she's got to figure out like what her her genre is going to be like what it's what she's going to do what 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 in will does she want to impose because the girl's strong and uh what, her nickname is little bull she is bull she she is hard to throw around and you know and i'm not trying to downplay mary rosenbeck because mary rosenbeck made strides to come back on this fight and win and take chloe out but uh i, I want to say that uh, i would i was one to think that chloe was training probably a lot harder than maybe she was for this fight and maybe she might have thought that hey i beat her last time i'll beat her again but i think that you know mary rosenbeck with that over for record really had a little bit more fire under her than chloe did so mary rosenbeck not sweet as can be you know we did the in-ring interview and uh, what did she say she said uh you know, well, you want to run that back? She's like, let's, you know, yeah, let's do it. I don't know. She, she was funny because she's really, you know, we, I mean, you know, it's one, one one thing to be on my side of the mic, but when you're actually getting the questions asked to you, it, it's, it's you know, in front of a lot of people, you don't know what to say or you got to be politi- politically correct these days. You can't say exactly what you want to, but, um, and she, but she just kept it short and sweet and she was just the sweetest girl, but it uh, takes that zero off her record and uh, congratulations, Rosenbeck. Uh, really, absolutely dominant performance over Chloe. Actually, just, but Chloe's got to find her, uh, you know, like you said, find her, you know, what she wants. Does she want to wrestle? Does she want to strike? But she needs to pick one and get with it, and she needs to train a little bit on that specifically and come back and impose that will and then see what she can do from there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she's she's strong, real strong, and uh, I don't know, she is bullish. So, But uh, it was a better fight, too, than it was last time, but I'm anxious to see uh, – uh, round three with them maybe next year or something. I don't know if that's in the cards, but that's something I would want to see again. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't argue that. You know, they put on a good show both times. Uh, for the record there, uh, Greg was the only one to take uh, Padilla. It was Mark and uh, Jeff both taking Rosenbeck. And at this point, Mark has made the deficit to only one point going into the final two. It's about to turn around for him. <sighs> 
co-main event, it was for the uh, first ever BFC middleweight championship, and we had another good one, man. It was Alex Lewandowski versus uh, Tank Wilson Jr., Steve, uh, Stephen Tank Wilson Jr. He uh, Both guys uh, undefeated. Like I said, Alex 2-0, and the Tank's 3-0. and the top, uh, toughest test either guy has uh, uh, approached yet in their career. And, man, uh, Tank came out in that first round and was all over him, you know, hit the, hit, hit the, hit the big takedown and, and was on top and, and clearly won that first round but really expended himself in the process. And you could see in between rounds one and two, he was starting to breathe pretty heavy. Uh, Alex is pretty composed throughout the whole thing uh, in between rounds anyway. And in the second round, you saw Lewandowski start landing the better shots, standing, uh, Tank struggling to get the takedowns at that point. And you saw a little bit of swagger start to emerge in Lewandowski at that point. Like, okay, I'm in this fight. I've kind of taken what he's got. One to one going into that third round, Tank's able to. But at this point, Lewandowski's starting to slow down too. Both guys exhausted. Tank's able to, you know, dig down and find that that last push to get the takedown he needs, and uh, you know, finish the fight uh, on top, and ultimately get that unanimous decision win and that Bauer strap at middleweight. Justin, your take? Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely one to one going into that final round, and um, Tank Tank had just enough. Just enough to land the takedown. That's about all that happened um, in that third round. Um, I was looking for Tank to come come try to take somebody's head off, but he, he shot in at, at three seconds into the fight and um, wanted to wrestle the whole time. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him actually, you know, come out and strike and then and see if he if he's if he's about that life or not. Of course, I thought that, uh, you know, obviously a big win for Tank, but I don't think Alex Lewandowski loses any uh, any ground in this performance. He was there. He was, you know, against a, a top prospect and uh, really brought the fight to him. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? My thoughts. I'm just going to tell on what Justin said in the third round. Uh, in my opinion, fight of the night. But in my opinion, um I'm not hating on Jimmy Neely for this, but when the elbow connected in the third round. Oh, we didn't touch on that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That so there was, was an elbow yeah, in the third round. Yeah, that's right. That was uh, it, it forced Tank to give up his position, but there was no point deducted. It was one of those situations where if Lewandowski had played that up a little bit, probably could have got a point. Yep, and that's that's where me and Lewandowski disagree. Uh, and, uh, and Jimmy Neely – I'm not going to say he should have took a point because he's the, he's the official. He's the he's the, he's the man. He's God in that cage, not me. So I can't I can't say anything about a decision. But had it been me, I would have had to take a point. And uh, had it been me, nobody would have went home with the strap. And I know we would have had a really upset audience, and we probably would have tore the damn place down. But <laughs> fair is fair is fair. And I think that if you get hit with an illegal blow in amateur fights, rules are rules for a reason. And I think a point should have been deducted. Uh, I even picked. Uh, you know, Tank to win that fight too. But, uh, I mean, I think that's one that we got to give back to Alex Lewandowski and let him run it back. I, don't, I think an immediate rematch is probably something in, in in his mind, at least right now, and thinking about because uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I'd, I'd like to see a draw in that match right there and, and get to see it run back only because of the illegal elbow, because it was just nobody expected that. Hey, Tank didn't mean to do it, it wasn't right. intentional. And Lewandowski didn't expect it, and it's just something that happened. And it's something that does happen, but it happened in the moment, like the, like the climax, if you will. It was going down, and pow! <laughs> no way. And, like, everybody's jaw dropped. We didn't know what was going to happen, because at that point in time, you knew, you just knew right then and there that it was, uh, 
Tank may have just lost the fight because of that. Because if Lewandowski, like you said, well, you know, took the, took the, took the soft way out and could have played it. You know, oh my God, it hurts Lewandowski. You know, guess what? Who gets the strap just because of that? And Tank would have a loss right now. And it's just something that uh, something that needs to be uh, food for thought considered. Think about it and uh, maybe process it. I just that's the only only take I have on that fight. But uh, like I said, congratulations because that was a hell of a fight. I did I did also mention. That was my candidate for five of the night right there. Both uh, Jeff and Greg got that one correct on Tank. Mark uh, pivoted off to Lewandowski and increased his deficit to two again going into the main event. It was a short notice uh, step up for James Garmany after Zach Mannon pulled uh, the week uh, about a week before the fight. And James Garmany comes in on short notice and beats big time Dale Dodds with a first round TKO to claim the first ever VFC heavyweight championship. Back and forth affair. Dodds had him rocked early. Uh, you know, he landed a big one there early, but James is able to, to battle back and, and ends up uh, stunning him uh, with, a, with a big TKO and takes that strap home. Uh, good performance from both guys. Props to both guys for, for doing this at the last minute because it was definitely a big change in level and opponent for, for Dale Dodds to accept on very short notice. And, of course, James Garmany uh, wasn't preparing to fight at all. So uh, both guys, of course, uh, deserve major props for, for stepping up. And, man, these were some two big old boys uh, in that cage. I was uh, concerned about our uh, structural reliability there. Uh, Greg? Yeah, man, they, both of these guys. That's what uh, Dustin Fisher says on the podcast. When the when the heavyweight step in there, it turns it from it goes from uh, you know what's it a uh, Cotton Eye Joe's to Joe's Boom Boom Room because we never know if the if the actual ring is going to hold up with all the weight. You know, at any time could go down. So we're like, uh, but like you said, James Garmany uh, coming in there. Yeah, like uh, you know, the old dogs may have been a disadvantage because he had no idea what to expect that that late. With uh, was it with McMahon? What's his name? Zach Mahan. Zach what's his uh, name? Mahan, yeah. Yeah, when it dropped out on us, like you know, that's who he was training for all the whole time. So that's who he's based his camp around. And then you throw a different caliber, higher caliber athlete at him, like James Garmany. He's not going to turn that down. He's he's sold the tickets. He's he's actually done this. And he's how long did James Garmany have? Was it two two weeks? No, no, it was about one week. One week. Yeah, it may have been less. It may have been like the. I actually think it was like the Monday of fight week. He he sprang it on us. Really? Well, I just, I'm just. Uh, you know, it, Garmin's big, big now. He's a big boy. He wasn't ever a small uh, two or five, but he's big. And uh, for the for the shots that both of these guys were landing, and you know, kudos to both guys for being able to take them and letting this fight go on as long as it did, because that fight probably should have ended. A lot sooner than so because these guys were hammering shots in there and uh thank you for you know i, mean, I thank you know just the entertainment let me see that fight that was an awesome fight uh but yeah props to james garmany for getting that win and getting that getting that ghost trap we did talk to him afterwards to see if we were going to have a quick turnaround he just said i gotta get my ass in the gym he's like i gotta get in shape yeah he said there and said he's i gotta do something but uh but uh, good card overall yeah, a lot of great fights, man. A lot of close ones, ultimately, uh, in that last one. Greg, the only one to take James Garmany, the other two with Dale Dodds. And so uh, Greg uh, finishes six. But actually, Greg and Mark both finished six and five on the week, with uh, Jeff Hobbs finishing five and six. So uh, Greg holds serve, if you will. He keeps his three-point advantage going into uh, the Saudi card. So now Greg is 30 and eight. Mark is 27 and 11. And Jeff drops one more, so he's six back, and he's 24 and 13. But there's lots of fights on this Saudi card that, that are going to be close. 
So still anybody's game here, guys. Um, I appreciate you guys sitting in with me to uh, do this recap. That's going to that's gonna wrap us up for this show. Real quick, uh, I'm not going to go to Justin on this one, but Greg, your biggest winner and biggest loser coming out of Valor 63, and we'll close the books on it. Let me scan this over real quick. Biggest loser, I'm looking through him. I gotta say that it's gonna have to be uh, Anthony Cochran, man. He's got he's got he's got to pull uh, he's got to pull pull win a win out of this right here. He's, a, he's you know biggest loser for the uh, for the weekend. And uh, even though that was fantastic fight, man, I just I want to see him get back in the win column. And uh, I, I think that Bradley Breakfield just kind of surprised a lot of people and turned a bunch of heads. A uh, real deceptive all in one he was, but uh, I want to see Anthony Cochran come out of this hole. Biggest winner of the night. Let's see here. I'm gonna have to say Mary Rosenbeck because she finally got that finally got that O off her record, and she now has a win over there in that column four over Chloe. A, you know, a past foe that's beat her before. So that's my take on my. I like, uh, I, like winner, I like both loser. of them. Yeah, I like them both. Just as a, a different take, I'm going to go to Billy Combs is my biggest loser. Uh, fight he really needed. Uh, you know, that was a fight he really needed to come with and, and wasn't able to get it done. Uh, biggest winner, I'm going to give it to Brian Jackson. With a, uh, Comes in and, and, and knocks off the hometown guy, gets his uh, MMA career started off right. Uh, and that's going to wrap up our Valor 63 recap and reactions. That's also going to wrap up the whole dang show. Thanks so much to our uh, our guests tonight. You know, we had both uh, Brian Stonehands Jackson and Bradley Brakefield on the line with us. Thanks so much also to my co-hosts, Justin Watson and Greg Hopkins. Till next week, I'm Tim Loy signing off. Valor Hour, we're out. This is a Sitting Ringside with David Penzer Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week on Sitting Ringside, presented by my bookie, I go over my thoughts on All Out. And also, welcome to the show, pro wrestler, reality television star, actor, and voiceover star, A.J. Kirsch. If you don't know the name, I guarantee you've seen him somewhere, whether it be Tough Enough on the USA Network, whether it be on Dating Naked, the reality series, whether it be him as the voice of the lead character in WWE 2K19, whether it be the Rock the Promo champion hosted by The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, Broseph Joe Brody, or just the biggest Nickelback fan you've ever heard in your life. It is an interesting conversation about pro wrestling and uh, the differences between pro wrestling and reality television and the similarities between pro wrestling and reality television. Think you're going to love it? Be sure to download now where podcasts are found. Sitting Ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.